It's so funny though listening to the other the other pod by the way. They are like so serious and thoughtful and they sit and they go like one paragraph at a time and then they like they reference things and, and I'm like, yeah, we make titty jokes. <laughs> this paragon said fart. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Rub of the Elderlings lowbrow edition. <laughs> Uh, welcome to Bucky's Radio. We're coming to you from inside the walls. This is episode 30, you guys, chapters 21 through 25 of Bad Ship. And I'm Rachel, a rereader. I'm Alyssa, a rereader. I'm Jenny, and I'm a new reader. I'm Eli, and I'm a new reader. I'm Elena, I'm a new reader. And I'm Ashley, and I'm a new reader. Okay, some housekeeping. Um, let's see, reader mail reader mail listener mail uh dovid wants our episodes to be longer Lol. <laughs> i love it i love you be dovid. careful what you wish for <laughs> uh, these episodes the are so long be like look it's long <laughs> it's real long when uh, we started this we were like an hour and 15 minutes tops now we're like an hour and 57 minutes i was good we did good <laughs> we did good <laughs> Yeah, I think this means that you don't have to edit anymore. Oh, you okay. just leave it all in. <laughs> leave it all the beginning junk too. Just everyone talking over each other and the coughing, and yeah, we'll just leave it all. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah, it'll be longer. <laughs> um, also, thank you to Chelsley thirty three uh, for the five star review on Apple Podcasts. Love that. Um, but I have a recommendation for all of you who email us. Wishing that we would make longer episodes or spend more time on things. Uh, there's a new pod on the scene. It's called Is Fitz Happy? And it is a close no. read podcast of Realm of the Elderlings. They're going chapter by chapter and they only started uh, a few weeks ago. So you can go anywhere on the internet and type in Is Fitz Happy? And they should pop up. Luke and Emma. Uh, I've been listening to it. It's really good. Uh, and hey, we'll be dead and in the ground, and they'll be halfway through book two. So, <laughs> and you said you said that we can't listen to it as new readers because it's spoilery. Yes, it is very spoilery. Like if you are a new reader and you don't want to be spoiled, uh, avoid. Um, but yeah, it's like if you're familiar with uh, Watt spoilers, it's the same kind of format. It's the two of them, and they go chapter by chapter, and they just pick it apart. Um, like every bit of foreshadowing. and Yeah, it's nice. Is it, uh, is it too spoilery for me and Jenny? Uh, they haven't gotten to anything having to do with the Rainwilds yet, so I, I think you'll be okay. I, I mean, there's, they're only on chapter four of the first book. Cool. I'm good through <laughs> chapter four. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah, but it's great. And I found out uh, because uh, Plenty.net tagged uh, Bucky Radio and the Is Fitz Happy Pod because someone was asking for podcast recommendations. So that's how I found out. So thanks, Plenty.net. I like we. It's like it's like we're out there. We're skilling, and then someone skilled back. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. So before we start, uh, just another uh, content warning reminder for chapter 23. Um, if you want to avoid chapter 23 because it does involve the rape of a point of view character, check the episode description for the timestamps and I will post them. All right. Who's up first? I am. Chapter 21 is called Salvage. It's summer, it's hot, and everyone is digging Paragon out of the beach. Brashen, feeling exasperated at the task before them, looks directly at the camera and says, I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. Excellent. The plan is to build roller logs and roll Paragon down a slip and slide until he's in the ocean. Love it. And you know it would make all this go by faster and easier. Happy 420 from Brashen to you. It's not 420 when you're listening to this, but it is 420 when we are recording. And he tongues for some Slim Jim in his lip and lo, none there. (laughs) Unfortunately, he's broke, but he's just too good to use the money that Ronica gave him for refitting Paragon to buy any. To get a buzz, instead he brews chamomile tea, which is probably the least caffeinating tea to exist. (laughs) Amber is whittling while this is happening and politely not saying anything until everyone is screaming because Paragon got a hold of some timber and snapped it in half like Steve Rogers did. And it would be hot if Paragon did it, but only on some book covers, not all of them. (laughs) (laughs) So the workers are getting scared away from this, and they demand their money, but Brashen refuses to pay them for half a day. I guess that's fair. Paragon threatens everyone and then retreats into his still self, but Brashen has had it. And perhaps to give him a taste for the sea again, he just keeps dousing him in buckets of water while yelling at him because that's the best way to get people to do what you want. He does say, quote, you're a ship, not a flower pot, which... (laughs) is pretty rude because Amber got him all pretty, so he's insulted at least two people with that one. (laughs) He turns around in his success with a big stupid grin, and when he sees that Althea and Amber are way not amused, he's like, well, you better decide how badly you want this to happen, and Althea is probably rolling her eyes so hard. Then we get a working montage, and Jack's strong back is mentioned, and that's really where I stopped reading. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Malta has Dello over, and every time Dello opens her mouth, Malta gets more and more tired. She's so worried about her dad that she's lost the taste for all this intrigue. Dello brought her a note from Serwin, and she just doesn't even care because, quote, he doesn't even know when to kiss a girl. He also hasn't kept his promise to speak up on her behalf, so she's done. She opens Serwin's gift, and it's just, like, cheap rings and lint. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a bad gift. It's really bad. It's so bad. It's such a bad gift that she wonders whether or not Serwin understands capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) i read the line she wished she could just go and lie down for a time and well yeah me too dillo reveals that serwin and their father were fighting like brashen and her father used to fight and she's worried that soon she'll just have no siblings at all because her dad keeps disowning people (laughs) 
<laughs> Malta writes a reply to Serwin that basically says, thanks for nothing, friend, regards. And she escorts Dello out and shuts the door on her before she's even done waving goodbye, which is an incredible power move. <laughs> Malta gets really angsty teen in this next bit, blaming herself for not being able to put these crappy rings toward helping her family. It's stuffy. Serwin sucks. Rain's not showing up. Her dad got kidnapped by pirates, and she tries to roll over to grab her Teen Vogue Gossip Girl edition when she <laughs> realized there's no room to do that. Suddenly, she's trapped in a small space, but quickly realizes it's a dream. The dragon is back. Like, do you see how shit this is? Free me. And she says she can't make Rain do anything, and the dragon laughs and says my favorite quote so far in this book. Don't be foolish. He is only a male. You and I, we are queens. We are destined to master our males. It is the proper balance of the world. And then she wakes up. It's a pretty good dream. <laughs> Someone told that to Kyle. Mm. Mm. <laughs> So Brashen is staring at Althea again in slow motion. Wet hair, sweat, drip. She washes her neck like, <laughs> ah, and she is so worked up for her. Oh, my God. To interrupt these thoughts, he calls it a day, and Althea and Amber go up to the ship while he pays everyone. And when he finally joins them, they're sitting on the side of the boat, swinging their legs, and he's like, wow, Amber is so unfeminine and even filthy. Althea is so beautiful. And he can't even look at her. This is really bad. They, I'll try to do small talk, but uh-oh, Althea went to see Greg that morning and Brashen is jealous. Althea snarks him about Slim Jims and he goes on a long rant about how her problem isn't that they ho hooked up, oh no, it's that she's not meant to be a traitor and she knows it. And also she could break his jaw and he knows it. <laughs> <laughs> Brashen storms up and has chummy time with Clef, and Althea and Amber have girl talk. Althea realizes what she needs more than Greg's approval is Brashen's friendship, and that's how the chapter ends. So you want to know what I learned from this chapter? Yes. Hmm. I've learned it now from Serwin, and I've learned it from Greg. You, you, got, you just got to know how to kiss a girl. You can't you, ask I, Yeah. Seriously. You know where and when. Yeah. This, I agree with her completely. And, and not just apologize totally... for it after. Exactly. Yes. I totally agree with her. It's like, what the fuck? He doesn't even know when to kiss a girl. And then he comes with that shitty fucking gift. And I, I mean. <laughs> that gift. Wow. <laughs> it's, last week I was, I didn't make the cut, but I'm, we talked about shittiest gifts that you oh. got for people that you're in relationships with. <laughs> He's up there. Like, this is not good. <laughs> And it sounds like maybe he spent more on the wrapping paper than the gift was worth. It's like yeah. he just like rummaged around yeah. in his room. <laughs> we gotta go for something. Horrible. So I'm glad that she's just like, we're done here. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, cause that was getting, that was going to be like, oh, come on. I'm supposed to like you, Malta. Stop dragging this poor child along. Yeah, I, I was actually pretty impressed with Malta um, this chapter because it, it's like she finally is sort of stepping into a more adult, responsible perspective. So if you're going to insist that you be treated as like a woman of the family, act like it. And she's stepping up and like doing that. And now she's sort of looking at Delo's uh, social maneuvering mean girl games and she's like, 
bitch, please. I, I see straight through you and I don't fucking have time for this shit. Mm-hmm. I guess it was, it was refreshing. I liked it. I hope, yeah. I hope she sticks with it. I really appreciated the part where she was like, I can't even wear this bobbles and shit because my mom and grandma aren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she feels bad. Well, it first. would be conspicuous too. They'd be like, what is all that shit? Where'd you get it? <laughs> 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 oh, I've just been stringing this guy along. It's fine. <laughs> so what do you think that Sirwin and his father are fighting about? How to, when to kiss a girl? <laughs> <laughs> like everybody else in this book, you're not doing what they want them to do, so that you're angry at them. Yeah, I must run in Brashen's family. I mean, I just assumed it was that he could do better because they're broke as a joke. Yeah. And they they got their family drama going on and he doesn't want a part in it. Yeah, that's true. He is the heir now. Yeah. I wonder if there's also, um, like, bad feelings on the part of, of Papa Trell toward the Vestrits because... Um, Efren took in Brashen and actually gave him a chance yeah. um, to work yeah. on a live ship and, and sort of rehabilitated him back into that, um, if not like the social world, at least like the, the work world of his own class. Yeah, I would expect that Efren had maybe had words with, with Papa Trell, like, But then he let Dello be best friends with Malta, so it couldn't have been that bad. Well, they're just girls. girls. don't matter. Yeah, girls don't <laughs> yeah. matter. Sorry, Unless they get married. <laughs> I Speaking of, Brashen needs to apologize to Amber for those very ungentlemanly thoughts about her face. Has he it's not so seen rude. my drawing? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, text it also, to him. I'm sure he'll change his mind. Home text us again. Home is walking around town dressed like a goof pirate with a fucking blister on the side of his mouth from his <laughs> drug addiction. So I don't know if he should really... <laughs> He always tells Althea how, like, worn out she looks. It's so rude. Look at yourself. Yeah. So I had about a few seconds of thoughts about... Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, it's, it's, a real, it it's a real shocker, Deep I know. coming. Deep coming. Um, about how maybe the trails are... I'm, I'm just wondering... If maybe they are into the new trader slave stuff just because they seem to be doing well right now. And, and they don't I mean, have just, a live just ship. Just the attitudes of Dello and Serwin and how they don't they don't seem to be completely jiving with uh the Vestrits and a lot of things. Like, for example, uh, Brashen being taken in by Efren. Um, I don't know. It's it. There's nothing, like, conclusive being... You, you don't really know a lot about the trails right now, but they seem to be shits. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. They they seem to be uh, remarkably prosperous right now, just based on the, like, the little outward things going on. Carriage... Uh, Malta's got lots of nice new stuff. Everybody yeah. else is floundering. Yeah, like well, I'm not, definitely yeah. definitely going to back you up on the uh, they they have poor uh, family cultural 
skills. Like they are, they are not transmitting solid relational skill sets to their children. Uh, what do we think about the uh, the the dragon dream of being in a coffin? Um, she needs to mail that dragon a magazine, and it needs to <laughs> chill out. <laughs> it's interesting, like how ragey she is. Like it's she doesn't even try to woo her at all. She's like, "You're gonna fucking do what I tell you to do," <laughs> you know. Like, there's no courtship of it or anything. She's just like, she's, do it she's now. beyond that at this point. She tried to make friends with Rain and it didn't work. So now she's like, fuck, get me yeah. out. It's the ultimate cosmic power. Itty bitty living space. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Paragon. We didn't talk about Paragon. Oh. Oops. Um, He's a ship, not a flower pot. He's being a little turd. He big, strong baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, is he is he a little bit better? Is he? I mean, there there. He's just scared. Like... He's real scared. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, he's still getting refit. Like they're kind of working around him. But it's not yeah. like he's he's not he's not ripping people in half. Well, and like when the girls went to work at the front of the boat and you know, they're like showing up the men because none of them would do it and it's like of course, like they he wouldn't actually hurt Althea and Amber. He's Yeah, just those being, are his friends. Yeah, he's yeah. just emoting. What about his family? Way. Well, but they were they enslaved him and he doesn't like that. I just think it's really funny that people are trying to work and he's just like reaching down and like taking their shit. <laughs> <laughs> and like it keeps happening. That's, yeah. I mean, that's what's funny. And, well, you but can't I guess do like, anything to him. Like you just have to be like, okay, <laughs> you yeah. take that. That's yours now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, well, I, I guess it keeps happening because Brashing keeps having to like refine crews to come and work. And so. It's like, it doesn't matter how many times you tell someone when it's their first time hearing it, they don't believe it until they see it. And then it's like, oh, oh, like he, he literally meant the ship will take the timber out of my hands. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. Which is I'm interested to I'm interested to know if Paragon had any relationships with like anybody from the family on his boat that he actually did have a good relationship with them you know or was it all shitty i know like we've we've been told that the ludlucks suck in general or maybe just this mm -hmm. new woman but like i don't know i would i don't i mean well I, he, he there was like a period of time where he was going for like the third generation that tried right like yeah there's like, like a 17 year yeah. period right but then like the father and the son were both like killed at the same time you know, and, like, pres presumably killed, not, like, dead of natural causes. Yeah. Or if it was natural causes, it was some weird, like, disease, accident situation. So it's, it's like he almost quickened, like, too early. And one of his, like, family consciousnesses was too young. Or at least that's what the implication was. Right. Yeah. He doesn't have, like, the steadying, you know. Mm-hmm. 
older hand. All right, let's move on to chapter 22. Oh, that's me. Oh, gosh, hold on. Okay. Uh, so chapter 22 is called A Change of Heart. And I need to scroll down the page. Uh, so we open, we're on the Vivesha, and there's kind of like this love quadrangle making things a little bit weird because like somebody has eyes for that person, but that person has eyes for that person, and that person has eyes over here. So Vivesha is seething with envy. She wants in on the pirate action so badly so that she can prove to her pirate crush Kenneth that she's totally worthy. And she's missing his the flirtatious Kenneth. And now she's just getting this courteous Kenneth, which is driving her absolutely nuts. And she's being kind of a Bia about everything. So K-Dog is currently actually going <laughs> gaga for Etta. And they're being really lovey-dovey. And it's just spewing all over the place on the ship. Um, that said, it seems to inspire the crew. So I guess it's kind of a good thing. And Etta has been kindled by Kenneth. It makes the other women aboard seem only moderately female compared to her. That line fucking killed me. I was like, what does that even mean? What does that I, even mean? I don't know. I think it what means does her boobs are out. I don't God. know. So uh, she got it. She flaunt it. Wintro has no social manners and stares at Etta all the time. And Kevin ke- keeps seeing him doing it. And when he does, he gives him the old, like, winky-wink and that worm eyebrows kind of thing. <laughs> and it's just, it's creepy. So, uh, Vivacia has seen three more pirate raids since Opal died. And, um, but they weren't slave ships. And she's helping to kind of run them aground. So it's the Marietta and Vivacia working together. But she's not getting in on any of the action. And Kenneth has been sparing the lives on these ships that they've caught because they weren't actually slave ships. And he's letting them live so that they can go and, like, spread the news about how badass he and his two ships are and all that jazz. And he's careful not to refer to himself as a king yet. In their downtime, when they're not catching ships, Kenneth's been hosting Wintrow in his chamber with Etta for, like, some little social parlors. And they play strategy games and they wax philosophic. And it turns out that Etta isn't a total dumb-dumb standard whore and she actually has a brain. But she never learned to read, so Wintro is tasked with tutoring her. And, but ahoy! They spot an especially stinky slave ship, and Vivacia is ready to rumble. Wintro tries to get her to be less excited about it, since Kenneth is going to kill the entire crew. But V makes a very valid argument that if the crew doesn't die, then the slaves will, so... Uh, the slaver seems like, uh, seemed like it was going to outrun the Marietta and Vivacia is like, oh, hell no, not today, motherfucker. This is my shit. And she goes full steam ahead to which Kenneth says, my lady. (laughs) 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 That made me crack up. Uh, she ends up chasing them down and getting her first kill. Uh, sure not to let the Marietta get any of the credit. She's like, no shit, this is mine. The slave ship is sinking, so it's a quick evacuation, but a pirate interrupts Kenneth and Wintrow on their tour of the captured ship with news that there's a cook barricaded, and he would like to speak with the captain. So he says he knows that there's treasure and that it's buried. Uh, Oh, no. He says that he knows where there's treasure, and he would like his life spared in return. And Kenneth decided that he would talk to him, and it turns out the chef says he knows where... um, Egret the Bold stashed all of his treasure, and it sounds like it's up the Rainwild River because they need a live ship to get there. And he, he says that he survived Egret's ship going down, 
and that he can take him there. And Kenneth decides to stab Chef in the eye and kill him because (laughs) no one survived the ship going down. And I guess that's true as of now, maybe nobody has survived. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Everybody gets back on the Vivacia and Kenneth goes to spend some alone time with Vivacia while a jealous Etta and Winter watch. So then we hop on over to Althea, who is visiting Greg in his mountain cabin. He's hiding out in deep secrecy, and Althea had to go on a scavenger hunt to get to him, but not really because there was actually a whole parade of people to help guide her there, and all his neighbors know that he's there, so I guess it's, it's like not really a secret. <laughs> the Chalcedians are pissed about their galleys being uh, sunk in the harbor, and the tariff dock that got fucked up, and they just want justice, and the it's the price is on Greg's head for that, so... Greg is bragging about this really fucking cool house that apparently he's staying in that has all these hidden rooms and secret bells, and I kind of want to go there and hang out. But then he gets to the point and he tells Althea that he loves her. And he also says that he knows that she doesn't let, yet love him back, but that's okay. And he uh, knows she won't go with him now, but what about later? He's willing to wait until she's ready. So she's kind of like, maybe things get better and maybe I could possibly consider being with him. And she's kind of like about to string him along again. But then they start arguing about Brashen. And apparently Ophelia told Greg that they boned. And he thinks that Brashen is rapey scum and took advantage of her. And Althea tries to defend that it was consensual and Greg calls her weak. Which was Greg's biggest fucking mistake ever. <laughs> yeah. Because she rightly gets super pissed and... You know, he just thinks of her as some, like, weak, pathetic woman. And she realizes, like, she could never fuck around with a guy who thinks of her that way. So she tells Greg, you're a good man. You'll find a woman who is right for you. I wish you all the best. And she pieces out. And as she's walking away, he says that he'll wait for her. And he doesn't care what she's done. And he will wait for her until she returns from her trip to get Vivacia. So she spins around and she, um, the only thing that she could think to say to him that was still true was, you have a kind heart, Greg Tanira. Farewell. <laughs> I like it. It was, it was a classy exit when she could have been really ragey. Yeah, she could have really just yep. really fucked him up. So, Greg is so thirsty. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I, I mean, he's he's told himself that he's in love with her, which maybe he really is, but like. How can you be in love with somebody who, like, really just doesn't seem to care for you? Well, I think that it's that, you know, Althea's different. She's not like other girls, right? And But then he she, still wants to put her inside of these confines of what a woman right. is. Yeah, he wants, he wa- he's got all these ideas and he's, like, still stuck in this, like, shitty, shitty culture. But then he sees a woman that doesn't conform and he's like, oh, that's interesting. I like it. But, yeah, he, but he doesn't like the- it enough to, yeah. And he's the most milk toast man that there is. How could he think that he would get her? I don't know. He's not special enough. He like, Greg, yeah. Greg, Greg kind of lost me on this. Like, obviously, I like Greg. I've like you know liked him the whole time because his approach hasn't bothered me. Because you know, to me, it's like it's consent. It's checking yeah. in. It's like making sure you're wanting the same and thing. And it's honest, but, if nothing else. And mm-hmm. it's honest. But, like, the problem is that here we reveal that they have a fundamental, like, uh, incompatibility in how they view the world. Like, for all that Greg might admire Althea's strength and, like, tenacity and skill sets, 
and whatever, like, he's still seeing her as, like, she's going to be an appendage to my life. Yeah. She, she's mm-hmm. going to enhance my life. And I'm my, my role in her life is to protect her and to, like, bring her into my fold. And, you know, like, there's nothing wrong with that if that's the sort of partnership both people are seeking. But that's not what Althea wants. And that's not... Um, that's not who she is. No, like, Althea's a badass. She does not want to compromise. Yeah. She does not want to settle. She does not want to conform. She wants what she wants. And if, you know, mm-hmm. if, if she doesn't want a man that will not conform for what she needs, right? I mean, men do that yeah. all the time and people don't think it's wrong. They don't think exactly. it's weird. She's just yeah. happens to be female and she wants other people to to alter themselves to fit her life and, and goals. And you know what? Or, he almost had her. He almost had her, but he called yeah. her weak. And I'm like, name me any human, no matter what their gender is, that wants to be called weak. He nagged her. Yeah. He nagged her. Yep. I mean, it's also sort of like a fundamental view of women as like, you know, not not having the capacity to consent or to right. desire or to make a a choice for themselves that is counter to what culture dictates and it's like you you allow like you think it's great that she wants to be on a ship and like have her own life and has all this like self sort of authority and self-containment and then you're gonna like not like be okay with that and, like, suddenly, like, that's the one realm where, like, you can't have autonomy is, like, your sex life. Like, I'm, right. I'm it's sorry. It's because he was like, oh, Brashen got in there before me. He doesn't have a high opinion of Brashen. So, therefore, her, it, like, lowers her in his eyes. And he's like, well, I don't care what you did. And it's like, go fuck yourself. I know. Yeah, I mean, he it's like immediately the it's too. the jealousy is so apparent. I'll forget yeah. what you did. It's like, what? I had sex with a hot guy and it was good? She should have been like, guess what, player? Ain't the first time. No. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> Brashen was right. It totally demonstrates how he knows her better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my, my, my final comment on, on all of it is that, like, some sometimes you can find someone that'll conform their life to you, and sometimes you just find somebody whose goals are mutually compatible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, she and Brashen have – it's more that they have mutually compatible goals. Like, Brashen wants to be the captain on a live ship. Well, if she's the fucking owner and she sails with her ship, sure, Brashen can be the captain. Like, that's cool. I'm the fucking owner. Yeah. That, like, that's going to work for them, and it's going to, like, give them both a role that, like, complements rather than, like, uh, competes. Yeah. Um, so with Kenneth and Etta and Wintro, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's all just so creepy. I mean, uh, I have to keep fucked. telling myself Wintro is thirteen and is I know. this, this kind of manipulation is working He's... on him because Wintro is being distracted by you know tits and ass and. How so, old is he actually now? Is he I think like it's 14, 14. 14. He's 14 15. tops. He might be 15 now. You th- but we're still only a year from when we started all of this. Yeah, it's really only Yeah, but he was like almost 15 because he was saying he only had like a few more months left before. Oh, he reached you know, his. He, he had to do able, two years. Yeah. He would have to have. He was going to have to serve Kyle for two years. Yeah. I 16, thought it was until right? he turned 15. I thought it was six. But that's yeah. what it was. 
Uh, no, I, but I think he was 13 when it all started. I don't know. He's young. Suffice it to say. Somewhere around. And he spent his most of his socializing inside of a... Monastery. Monastery, thank you. Yeah. Like, you know, priest village, whatever we call that. <laughs> right. Um, and so now he's got a topless talking giant ship and a woman who is exuding women. Like, the whatever level whatever at which this means. child was corrupted is just fucking bananas. So, like, you got giant titties in your face. You got... You got titties tattooed on your face. <laughs> like, is this the chapter where she kept like, describing her as a panther? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. I was just like, why? Why does this keep happening? Because this is Robin Hobb, right? Everyone has their animal, their animal, their watermelonness. you know? Yeah. They're, they're, if you're a cat, you're the hottest. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So Etta, clearly he's trying to put Wintrow and Etta together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like... He's and Wintrow, we can, it's going to be an tops. easy What's win he because he's he's going to just be goo goo gaga over her. But how is is he just going to be like Etta? I need you to fuck this kid. No, I think he's like, like, oh, all right. No, he she's going to she's going to fall in love with together. him because he's so beautiful and he's teaching her how to read. You and think she's that she's going to fall in love with him because he teaches her how to read? No, I think she's going to. She's going to bang him in thanks, and it won't be a hardship because Wintrow, or at least Kenneth thinks that Wintrow is is that pretty. He has two tattoos on his face, and he's missing a finger. I don't know what to tell you. but (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't even have facial hair yet. Look, did you watch Tiger King? Did you? I did. did No. (laughs) Those people were all in love, and they were all just... They were different, yeah. They were different, right? <laughs> but they were attracted to each other, is what I'm saying. True. So, I just... I hate Kenneth so much <laughs> for what he's doing to Etta. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. I can't wait till she, to like, her. rages out. And, and it's like... Like, Wintrow is observing her as... Like, he's seeing the effect that basically, like, this is a woman blooming because she believes, like, that someone loves her and values her. And, you know, is, like, supporting her and helping her find herself. And, like, she's, you know, becoming this fucking amazing person who has, like, all these great qualities. And, like, other people around her are like, holy shit. Like, she's fucking awesome. You know? And he's fucking lying to her. And I, 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 want, to, I want to murder him for that. Because it's, I don't know, like, it's worse than just sort of keeping somebody, um, like, kind of down by like a like abuse and control because it's it's dishonest well, I think and that's like, why Kenneth is one of the better villains in the Hobverse because you know we have people who are kind of cartoonishly villainous like Regal and and Costco but then we have people like Kenneth who are charming you know who who could be good who are smart right Mm-hmm. But they're just It's almost like a garbage. more realistic villain. Yeah. Yeah. Serial killer yeah. vibes. Yeah. <laughs> serial killer vibes. Yeah. Like a charming serial killer, oh, not the sorry. weird ones that are like Right. But yeah, like the ones that understand other people well enough to like tell them everything they want to hear and like Yeah, the ones that pro- are like provide them famous actors. the needs that like they didn't even know that they needed met. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some of the uh, some of the things that Kidd knows that he's not uh, not sharing. 
Mm-hmm. So one 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 thing that I noticed was um, uh, ways that I I see that he appears to be gaslighting Vivacia. Um So you've got this big wallowing tub that's just like barely afloat, and they <laughs> they they take pains to describe how it's barely operating, and then. Um, the the Marietta can't catch it. It's just yeah. It's going too fast for the Marietta. The Marietta's falling behind. <laughs> so then the Vivacious like I've got to catch it. It's my job. I'm the only one who can catch this big fat wallowing tub that's barely moving. <laughs> so she rushes in to catch it, and then right as she catches it, the Marietta's right there. It's like oh hey, actually I could catch oh, it. Hey guys, <laughs> the way you describe it is like a moose swimming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad you brought that up. Thank you for noticing. Yeah. I yeah just, thank you for bringing that up because I was I was so mad at Etta. I forgot, but like that was like it was so such a blatant manipulation yeah. of her. Like, how did she not see it? But she was yeah she's because she's a year to, old. Yeah, she's young. I was gonna say like she too is a young child and she doesn't know any better. She's blinded by her first big crush, which come on and distracted like, by all thing. the lust. Yeah. yeah. And when he's like, my lady, like, oh, God. Oh, God. It's like. I mean, Wintrow is definitely at, like, some kind of PUA academy right now. (laughs) Uh, But why did he stab that chef in the eye? Because he didn't there want to was get somebody who survived. Yeah, and it was yeah he didn't want to get recognized by the one-eyed chef. So mm-hmm. I I replayed it several times to figure out where exactly he got excited about this stupid chef, and so he got sort of excited. He got sort of interested when he heard about Egrot, but where he really when Wintro recognized that Kenneth really got interested in the conversation is where they said that it was a one-eyed old man who could throw knives really well. And that is the moment that he got really excited. So that tells to me that tells me that he's got enough information now to identify this person and I think it's actually a person from Egrot's crew. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I totally yeah. agree. Because oh, so well, otherwise, why would he have gone down there? It's just, yeah. yeah. But it's such a, like, a, it's, there's something really cinematic about that scene, too, because it is something that you would expect to see in a movie where they go and you think, oh, now we're going to get the tea. And instead, he stabs the guy in the eye, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. thus, real quick, thus, like, too. so that it no one real, can get yeah. the tea. Yeah. Yeah, no tea, no tea spilt. So that, and then it, you know, it just pulls that 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 tautness of, of like the reveal even tighter. You know, it's just like, ooh, we gotta wait a little bit more. And like Hob does that; she makes us wait. I mean, there's still stuff that we're waiting for from the first trilogy, oh, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> still got questions, Robin. <laughs> Ash is rubbing eventually. her head against the microphone stand. <laughs> She approves. Uh, yeah. He means the cat, not me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, Ash is, not Ashley. <laughs> Let's just get this over with. Chapter 23. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> laughing at the very awful. Shelter in place. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
Laugh it out. Laugh it out, guys. We got to get serious. Let's yeah. oh, sober you up real okay. quick. Yeah. Chapter 23, Consequences. Just a reminder that this chapter is our content warning for rape of a point of view character. We will note the times this part of our conversation begins and ends in the show notes, so anyone looking to avoid this topic will know when it's safe to dip back into the conversation. So, this chapter shows us the consequences of Cyrilla's choice to call Satrap Costco's bluff and refuse to let him rape her by coercion, even when he threatened to give her to the Chalcedians to be raped by force. We catch up to her in absolute survival mode, where her mind has basically uh, retreated to allow maximum calibrations of how to not die from the immediate and present danger she's presented with as her constant existence. The sailor who dragged her away at Costco's command took her to the captain's quarters and locked her in. Rather than being given to the entire crew, she was kept as the captain's private property, and he was only casually cruel, matter of fact about his raping, rather than intent on sadism matter of fact about hitting her enough to keep her from protesting or fighting him rather than taking out any anger on her. He does not get a medal. It was still rape and plenty of violence, one of his matter of fact backhands loosened teeth. And since he never bothered to speak to her in her language, she had no way of knowing if he planned to keep her only for himself or give her to the crew later or if she made him mad, etc. Very precarious situation. Um, Side note. We are given the tidbit that Costco never was, which is that Cirilla had been a virgin. Shout out to the super hymen that was obvious enough for the asshole rapist captain to notice. Um, context, this is there's a running conversation in the romance reading community about how common it is to have a hymen that can actually be felt by the male partner. Um, most women's uh, real life experiences seem to be he would literally have had no idea if she didn't say anything or like at most because there was blood later. Um, but there's a small minority that have like these dramatically obvious super hymens. Um, it's not important why Hobb chose that style for Cirilla uh, other than um, like it's it was a really convenient way to note that, yeah, Cirilla was definitely a virgin. Um, at least I, I'm assuming that there's not a reason for the captain to know that about her that comes up later. But it's an interesting trope that she chose to use. Uh, so, yeah, just thought I'd mention that tidbit. Um, anyway, Cirilla found nothing useful in the captain's cabin, either to murder a bitch or to edify herself with. His maps were blank in strategic places, and apparently she doesn't read Chalcedian. Uh, that seems to me like a weird oversight for a scholar in a court that is very closely entwined with Chalced, but, like, okay. Uh, anyway, she does remember that Bingtown exists, and she thinks about it, but not enough to formulate any plan, just enough to keep some hope that this is not going to be her life forever. Uh, then one day, she's unlocked and taken back to Costco who is lying in his own filth in an uncleaned chamber that looks exactly like it did when she saw when she saw it last, except, oh wait, everyone else is dead. Costco is like sick and barely conscious. Um, Cirilla finds her rage and manages to channel it away from murdering him and into surviving. She gets a medal. She gloriously ignores him and gets dressed out of his wardrobe, brushes her hair. God, the detail of her taking the time to clean his hairs out of it first was fucking priceless. <laughs> um, and then she starts blinging herself up because she knows the only money she's going to have when she hits Bing Town and runs the fuck away is what is on her person in the form of jewelry. So the Satrap pitilessly complains about dying, and she's very matter-of-fact. I hope you do. 
he tries to argue that she was unharmed by her experience because she wasn't physically maimed. And literally, like, the only thing that protects him is the truth that if she kills him right now, she's going to get, like, taken straight back to the Chalcedians. Um, but lucky for her, Costco whines about how she must be expecting presents and bribes, and she understands how to proceed. Yes, motherfucker. I'm going to be the most expensive whore you created. So get ready. And like a fucking boss, she sits down and begins to write herself a a position as permanent envoy to Bingtown. And she even tells Costco to shut the fuck up a few times so that she can concentrate. Uh, She realizes she can order the Satrap to have a bath and good food and also all the medicines she might need to keep him alive but weak enough to believe he needs her help and good graces to survive. So... In summary, politics ain't for the faint-hearted, but Cirilla is a stone-cold killer when the facade of fair play is stripped away. So, take it, girl. Take that motherfucker for everything. I mean, she certainly has no reason to want to return to Jamalia or have any kind of loyalty to him or anyone else on the ship at this point. Like, she is a free agent. An agent of chaos. She just has to get there. Yeah. I mean, I think that for the sake of the plot, they have to make it to Bingtown. But, like, what are the chances that they're being poisoned and just, like, they're trying to kill them all before they even... Like, well, I, I mean, it I doesn't wonder... seem like the Chalcedians have any intention of even going to Bingtown. Yeah, I wonder. But then, like, why would they bring the Satrap, you know, Cirilla when he requested her because he was sick if, if, if they right. were actually poisoning him? I think maybe it's someone else if, you know, if it's poison. Or just they're being, I don't know. <laughs> they're well, they're, mean, they're shitty they're lifestyle. Other... They maybe just wanted to isolate him. So, like, maybe they kept him alive, but they isolated him by taking out everybody else? I don't know. Well, there's also more than, it's more than just the Chalcedians and the Satrap, right? Like, he has brought right. other He has people. all sorts of clingers yeah there's other yeah factions. like there were there were definitely nobles that came along with him and at least uh at least some of them died uh don't send me overboard like poor lord mordred or you know whatever yeah. the fuck it was <laughs> <laughs> i'll tip you to the fucking tangle while you're still breathing motherfucker right? this this chapter in particular and i don't know why reminds me a lot of game of thrones Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's, there's a lot like in the same, it's like the same genre. It's the same kind of violence. It's the same kind of detail about human fallibility and, and the discomfort of, of like a non-technological lifestyle. So just mm-hmm. pointing that out, it gave me that, that Westerosi vibes. Yeah. The same plot device of using like rape and sexual brutality to sort of push a woman past the point of having no more fucks to give. Yeah. That too. Uh, anything else that we want to say about uh, other than the fact, I mean, like, I think you're right, Eli, like they have to get like plot in a plot, like way they have to get to Bingtown now. It right. It really makes sense for them to not make it. But at this point, like who knows what the fuck Cirilla is going to do when she gets there. Like, whose side she'll be on, what she'll try to do. 
Well, she, we know who, we know whose side she's on. She's on her, her side. side. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. But is that does that align with you know the new traders, the old traders, you know, with our heroes? Right. We just don't well, I wouldn't imagine she'd be aligned with anybody who's for slavery, since she just experienced some of that herself. Mm-hmm. And she's probably not going to be aligned with anybody who is uh, in favor of uh, having Chalcedians around. Yeah, I think or being way. under Jamalia's control. Shall we move on? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we have a note that it is now high summer. Hi, yeah. summer. Hi, summer. Whatever that means. Four Chapter 20. 24. Yeah, it's just Blazing. very warm. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like Charleston has high summer. It's just so fucking hot, your brain melts every time you try to cool off. <laughs> high fantasy and high summer. Too bad you can't release toxins. Hmm. So chapter 24 <laughs> is called Rings Gold. <laughs> All right, so it's Tangle time. My recommendation is to queue up the song called Path 5 Delta by Max Richter on Spotify and then slither in. So we start the chapter from Shriver's point of view. She's worrying about Malkin and at how big their tangle has gotten. They've attracted a lot of serpents and through some daily therapeutic writhing have managed to mostly permanently convert about 20 of the serpents from mindless animals to individuals. They've still got about 40 mindless animals that follow them around that they have to figure out how to feed this worry Shriver. And Shriver tells Malkin that she sort of misses when it was just the three of them being the only cool ones, but Malkin is dedicated to the cause, and he says, quote, Our folk have dwindled. Confusion besets us from all sides. If any of us are to survive, we must gather as many as we can. It is the simplest law of the plenty. A multitude must be born for a few to survive, which is a little like, wait, what? <laughs> right? Uh, excuse me. That's a close. serpent named Silic recalls a time when he and Kilaro were with Zekri's. And they found another silver provider and were compelled to follow up. But it didn't turn out well. Quote, it bit me. Ah, so (laughs) some enterprising sailors attack some serpents, eh? But Malkin is pissed that a being that gives off the smell of memories would attack the serpents. Something has gone terribly wrong. Something important has been forgotten. They must seek she who remembers. So the minstrel serpent Talor suggests as a dark joke that perhaps she who remembers has forgotten the irony of ironies. <laughs> but this whips Malkin, who is also referred to as the Great One, into a mood. So he's trumpeting and he says, It is so clear. The minstrel has seen through the heart of it. They have forgotten and we must force them to remember us. And thus the serpents, those millennials of the plenty, have a friggin' mission now. Cue up the epic ocean music. The tangle is on the move. So what's the plan? Seek out and confront a silver being that smells of memories, just like they do to the animal serpents. So after a time, they locate one, and Mulkin at first suggests that they try to talk to it. So Mulkin kind of slides up to the ship, and we note that it's not a slave ship. It's just a regular ship. It's not a provider. So he stares way too long at this poor ship's rudder like a creep, and then he introduces himself, (laughs) and he says... (laughs) Malkin's tangle gives you greetings, <laughs> but, Malkin, but Malkin is ignored. He's worse than friend-zoned, so I guess Malkin tries poison like men do. 
the silver <laughs> being is oblivious, which is pretty good because he wants to be friends with the guy who's follow up to, hey, I like your uh, your weird flipper. <laughs> you know, it's poison. <laughs> but Mulkin is that guy in your DMs that won't go away. He says, I am Mulkin of Mulkin's Tangle and I do demand your name. <laughs> the little old Mulkin, he gets rammed because this boat is fucking boating avast. And since things have now gotten physical, the rest of the tangle gets involved. They lunge and they slap at the boat. They release their toxins. And at this point, the silver beings start shouting, or rather, the figureheads start shouting. So, oh snap, this is a live ship. So Shriver, not to be outdone by any of these other serpents, she starts screaming in its face, demanding its name like your best drunk friend who has perceived a slight. Still nothing. So we're in a full-blown boss fight now as the tangle beings like attack and they wrap the ship and all the while they're shouting for its name and eventually they bring the ship to its side in the water and they're able to pull the ship under yelling your name tell us your name all the while bathing the figurehead in the soup of their toxins and their trumpeting demands after sort of drowning the figurehead suddenly speaks and he says i was draquias i am no more i am a dead thing and then he goes on to speak of an old world of celebration that was ended by a calamity. And he says his case couldn't hatch because there was no sun. And eventually he was taken from the darkness and killed. He says, they threw my soul out onto the cold stone. I awoke something else. Rings gold, they named me. A live ship. A slave. So Malkin is sad because this isn't what he wanted at all. He didn't want to find a ghost of a guy he might have known before all was forgotten. But Draquius isn't done. He says undo me and so like the great horrible nightmares that they are the tangle consumes draquius to take his memories into themselves and deliver him from an unending death to free him and eating him and his long straight strands of silver memory <laughs> is an ecstasy oh Pork. this fucking chapter oh man this chapter was bananas you guys <laughs> I so do like that they refer to the humans as parasites. Though. I love yes. that. I'm like, you know what? We are the virus. Yeah. The virus. <laughs> when the Nature aliens come, that's what they're going to call us. R.I.P. Draquias. R.I.P. Crew of the live ship rings gold. Yo. <laughs> Paragon must be so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was all so dramatic because it's like, I am Malkin. I am Draquias. I am a dead thing. It's like, okay. <laughs> Tell me your name. Tell me your name. But it was so sad when he started saying, like, this was my situation and, like, Things were going good. We got our little cocoons popping off, but then all hell broke loose, and it sounded like when the dinosaurs died. And mm -hmm. then... It sounds like the Doom of Valyria. <laughs> yeah, and then he Maybe got hacked out of his out of his cocoon and left in the cold floor to die, and they took all of his wood and made a ship out of it. That's some bullshit. You know what depresses me about all of this is that we have to endure the tangle going and, like, making wizard wood cocoons and like they're still not going to be a fucking dragon <laughs> but first they have to eat all the ships wait? along the way see it's the what is it's not the journey it's the ships we eat along the way it's not the journey it's the cocoon so you you say that this is dramatic but like imagining it from a human's perspective it's especially dramatic because it's like <laughs> The mast was, like, touching the water on one side and then touching the water on the other side. It's, like, basically like a salt shaker, like, 
tossing out humans into the into the sea for the serpents to eat. Like it's just they're just humans flying everywhere. This yeah. whole this whole chapter. Well, and that one serpent's a big boy. Like he was as long mm-hmm. as the entire ship plus some, and then yeah, there was a whole posse of them just whipping that thing around like it was scrambling. He launches eggs. himself over and just kind of sinks it down. I mean, it's like a good, it's a good like monster movie. Yeah, like scene. It turned it into a provider by eating the crew. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so the silvery strands of his memory. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Have you seen that before? Silvery strands of things. Silvery strands of things. Yeah, we've seen silvery strands of things. Is that like yeah. Dumbledore? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say like the Pensieve, or are Literally we? Are, are, is there stuff in the first books that I missed? Literally exactly like that. There's, and yes, it is in the first books that you missed, Elena. Um. Yeah. I'm Weird. thinking that all think 40 the... of those other serpents are now going to remember at least a little bit. And I think that maybe for a little bit, at least, all of these other guys are going to know a little bit more. I don't know. I think the other yeah. interesting thing was that they, you know, described the long, straight, silver, whatever, things of memory, strands of memory, but when they ate them they became softer and like melted in their mouths mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know <laughs> like a now and later <laughs> yeah. i was gonna say like a m&m you know melt in your mouth not your hand you know <laughs> all i could it's think like of when they you were can eating have this was the, a treat. that dragon in the cocoon that can't get out maybe it should just start licking just lick everything <laughs> How many, How many licks? licks does it take to get to the center of a wizard with mom? <laughs> yeah, well, your way so out. This is on Melissa you. has left the chat. <laughs> <laughs> it's on her. She really should just start eating her way out. Like, that's how you get out of an egg. We all know that. <laughs> she needs Yes, and then she'll gain all the memories as she eats her, her cocoon. Remember mm-hmm. the tooth. Yeah, I, uh, I hated this chapter. <laughs> I loved it so much. I thought it's it was so such good. a good chapter. We got so much I mean, information. The, the live ship made me sad, but also I just got depressed that we have so long to go with these gross, disgusting things. Is it really sad though? If they're like truly a hive mind, then I think I it rep- so it represents some of Hobbes' like most beautiful writing, and I think like the high summer beforehand is kind of poetic because it's almost high fantasy for this this chapter instead of like you know standard genre epic fantasy uh because of like the way that they speak to each other and how everything is just very like call and repeat kind of or call and response like almost like this has happened before this will happen again kind of you know uh like language but uh i still don't like the fact that they dragged the live ship put a bunch of spit on it and then ate it (laughs) it's just so gross like if they were less gross about all of it it would be more tolerable look they can't be like their form that's just how they were put on the planet she just goes so heavy with the description though it just makes me like it makes my skin crawl it's disgusting they can't cook it they're underwater (laughs) (laughs) could boil it mash it Stick it in the stew. Stick it in the stew. <laughs> so, I mean, it was it was super fucked up. I just read this whole chapter without like registering the title had anything to do with the ship's name, and I was like, please don't be Ophelia. 
please don't <laughs> fucking be a fury. Oh uh, yeah. No. So But now now what now what do we know? I mean, beyond a shadow of a doubt, what do we know? That live ships are dragon serpent things. <laughs> that they're made it's... out of the cocoons and the, the memories. That they're dead things. That they need to go to Tree Hog. That they've been murdered. Live ships are that the product I'm even of murder. More confused about the later books. More importantly, <laughs> they're the product the of abortion. <laughs> so, okay, so I have thoughts about toenails. So <laughs> we cannot. We, we are Pre- not talking previously, about toes or nails. Previously, or- Paragon gave us a memory of he was underwater and he was fighting off serpents. Uh-huh. And based right. on the fact that these serpents appear to have terrible memories and have maybe even done all of these things before, perhaps many times, who knows how many years they've been doing this. Um, huh. uh, I'm thinking that, one, they have probably done this before and found other providers and eaten them and awakened <sighs> them. But two, I think that maybe they tried to do this to Paragon. Maybe that's how he lost his face. Maybe he that's... lost his face mm. to the pirates, though, I thought we learned. But maybe that's how he lost some memories? I don't know. They I don't like, know. We'll anyway, give you a snack. I think it seems yeah, similar. His, log, his, his logs are off. gone, so maybe. It seems similar. They ate the logs. <laughs> well,. Yeah, that's a. I, I hadn't thought about that, maybe, but maybe. Maybe all the things. Maybe Paragon just has the worst fucking life ever. And he was <laughs> murdered, ripped from his cocoon, turned into a ship, attacked by his people, and then also pirated. Yeah. And attacked by serpents. Yeah, yeah well, that was the yeah, attacked by people. His people. Yeah. I got that now. Took me a second. Yeah. And had a shitty family. Who instead of rehabilitating him or asking him, like, when you're talking about I killed all of them, who specifically do you mean? You know, uh, just sort of said, yep, you're a spiteful shithead like the rest of us, so we don't trust you. Or maybe he ripped all the serpents in half with his bare hands. Right. Like, well, yeah, that's the thing is like he, he came, he, he was found like drifting or like he, you know, got himself home somehow and he was raving about how he killed all of them. But did anybody ever like stop and get his context? Who was them? Like Paragon, who was it that you killed? Maybe he killed all the fucking pirates or maybe he killed all the fucking serpents. But, you know, maybe they did ask and he's not exactly the most coherent person <laughs> also possible but like <laughs> my guess is they didn't stop to ask they seem like real reactionaries yeah oh man oh my god sounds I like a good segue the same fucking joke oh i just saw it because it's hot <laughs> <laughs> i'm so, so i i noticed it about 10 minutes before we started the episode what what Read the read the highlighting. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> you should just make the same joke again. You should believe in yourself. Yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, go for it. We won't comment. <laughs> Are you kidding Nothing me? Nothing matters laugh again. Nothing matters. Okay, yeah, we're uh, in. No. Yeah, let's uh, let's move on to chapter twenty-five so that this isn't a five-hour episode. But, that, but that's, that's what, what they the want. people want. <laughs> that's what they want. <laughs> 
Yeah, we did. We should just record live and record for like three hours. (laughs) Definitely not our longest episode. Well, you know, we had like a we had like a five minute bathroom break in there. We're we're solid. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fine. Is there anything else that you guys want to talk about? The cannibalistic serpents and their ship eating. No, I'm ready for chapter twenty five. All right, let's go. <laughs> All right. Yes, please. <laughs> Chapter 25, The Launch of the Paragon. The final preparations are being made to get Paragon ready for the upcoming high tide, which is when they hope to launch him. Once again, we're reminded of Hobbes' vast working knowledge of many things, in this case, shipbuilding. So I thought it was especially interesting that you don't want to seal up all the planking before you float a ship so that the pieces can settle first under the stresses of being afloat. Then you seal it up, which sounds awfully like you've got to sink a ship before you can finish building it. To be fair, though, we see this through Brashen's eyes, who doesn't claim to be an expert and most of his knowledge is hearsay, or through uh, drunks that he's hired. (laughs) Reliable. Paragon does not care for whatever is happening to him and alternates between being angry and being depressed. <laughs> I can't, Same. I cannot. <laughs> I cannot. I can't believe we did this same joke. All right. It's just incredible. Uh, go with it, Eli. Just go, all right. He's, Paragon's been throwing sand at everyone while they work, and they don't like it. It's coarse. And rough and irritated. And it gets everywhere. Prashen <laughs> and Elkia and Amber believe that their problems are due to Paragon having never learned discipline. However, they wonder how it would be possible to discipline a live ship. Amber attempts this by telling Paragon that she will not read him bedtime stories until he stops acting up. And Paragon throws a tantrum and says that he hates everyone. So Althea has suddenly resumed a familiar friendliness with Brashen, something that he is confused about, but obviously delights in. Brashen convinces himself (laughs) that it's not because she likes him, but because she wants them to work well together. So it's go time, and Amber is staying by the figurehead, reassuring Paragon. Althea uh, is below decks, and she's supervising a bunch of alcoholics with hammers and pumps. And Brashen is up top doing what he does best, yelling at everyone outside, because he's in charge. POV switches to Paragon, who is positive that they're only launching him to sink his sorry ass to the bottom of the harbor. (laughs) (laughs) It's, after all, what he deserves. You're all going to die, too, he keeps telling everyone. <laughs> just imagine you're trying to launch the ship, and it's just like you're gonna die you're too. Gonna you're die. all you gonna die. Them. You just smash the champagne bottle against the ship, and it's like you're doomed. <laughs> <laughs> so he can start to feel the water floating him as the tide rises, and despite himself, Paragon gets a little bit excited. <laughs> At some point, the situation becomes real to him, and he. Uh, advises Brashen that it's time to fucking go. Get him up off the sea now, into the sea now, before the tide bashes him to bits. And Paragon takes control of the situation. He countermands Brashen's orders at every turn and gets himself into the water. As Paragon enters the harbor and sits upright for the first time in a few decades, he starts to take on water. Whoa, the narrator says. 
Paragon is then tied up to a dock, and he thinks about all the familiar but long-foreign sensations of being afloat. Paragon reluctantly admits that he is never expected to be floated again, but he himself... uh, He scares Amber away by saying that they should all fear him because he did kill all those people. I don't know what mind I was in when I wrote all this stuff. Uh, this is not a this is not a super coherent sentence. Okay, got the beer brain. Beer brain. Clef pops in to share some twangy six duchies wisdom. You could decide to be happy, make this and work. Is that Jar Jar? What's happening? <laughs> yes, yes. More prequel jokes. Okay. Uh, Althea contemplates the journey ahead. She will not be captain, but she's realized how detrimental it would be to Paragon if she were to captain him and then leave him for Vivacia. So she acquiesces to Brashen. It appears that she will be the first mate, or at least will be taking the first mate's cabin. Althea finds Brashen to talk to him about the remaining repairs, and he's elated with the prospect of being captain. But Althea finds that she is just simply happy for him and harbors no jealousy for him at all. Good on you, Althea. Brashen brags about how cool it would be uh, when he's on the sea with Paragon and how, uh, you know, they're just going to be the most badass ship and crew. And Althea comments on how Vivacia and her are actually going to be the coolest kids on the block. Paragon feels pride for the first time in years and joins in on the camaraderie and boasting. Uh... Looking to be the start of a good, v- good adventure, eh? Eh. Eh. I, I, I like to go ship. wrong. I like that this chapter happens right after uh, the other ship that kind <laughs> yeah. of went through. Yeah. The same exact <laughs> motions, but the other way. Because <laughs> it's like, it's the counterweight, right? So it's like the ship is like over on its side and then they release the counterweight and then the mast like comes up and it's yeah. like finally sitting up straight. Yeah, can hear cool. the sea shanties yeah <laughs> i mean it must be like fun to uh, it, you know fun to like be on the ship at that moment especially if like inside it's like gotta be like being inside a barrel mm. i'm nervous the parasites are having a party yeah i'm nervous for paragon though because a couple of times when he's on the water it eludes or kind of they show how he can't see anything and how he doesn't like yeah, he was kind of scared. He was like, so it's not so bad with, when you're yeah, sitting still. Yeah, like he was so familiar and he wasn't scared when he was sitting still. But now that he's like floating on the water, he's like, oh, fuck, what is that? And I had to be like, oh, well, it's like the tugboat that's protecting you. And this is what's going to happen. I don't know. I'm like, how well is he really going to fare out there if he can't see? Mm-hmm. Well, the well, they were trying to figure out what he wanted. Rachel, what did you say? I said the live ship doesn't do the steering, so they don't need him to be able to Well, see. yeah, and if I'm blind and you can steer me all around, you telling me I'm going to be fine? <laughs> well, you still have a rudder. Yeah, you have, a, you have that rudder. It's really <laughs> interesting. In yeah, dude, my rudder looks good. <laughs> <laughs> nice rudder. <laughs> what, a, what I liked about this chapter was the fact that... Um, <laughs> both, both Amber and Brashen have adequate parenting skills. Uh, Amber, who knows where she acquired them, but Brashen, it seems to be like he got he came by him the hard ways, and like he 
lived everything but the good parenting and that's how he knows like oh this this is the only path left it must be what's right right. but it's you know basically like no like they the because paragon is in many ways like a child and you know having um or he's traumatized and so he needs someone to be there with him to like reassure him and to remind him that like no we're not going to abandon you no we're not going to leave you alone with your fear but you know also needs someone to be like a safe container and so you know Russian's like no like he can't think that we fear him he can't think that he has power over us or he's going to test the limits and he's going to push the boundaries um you know, too far. Like we have to provide like the container for him for his like psychological well being. I'm like, damn, Brashen, like, where'd you come by this? And he like he owns it to Althea is like, cause nobody did that for me and I fell off the map in order to learn it the hard way. Like, oh Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I'm kind of thinking about like like the crew and like what they're each gonna be doing on the ship and like they're you know, and like thinking of them as like maybe like a D and D kind of group where it's like you have the magical being you have like the fighter you have the smart one mm. you've got amber mm-hmm. like uh the wild card the wild card Clef. um the bead maker clef is the pet obviously uh, <laughs> and then a bunch of npcs because apparently the whole crew is npcs we don't know yeah, any of yeah. them yet yeah, but like, think about it. Like, <laughs> is Amber's purpose going to be similar to like Wintro's purpose on the Vivacia? Is she going to like try to be that, like, you know, the conscience? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or maybe. Is she just gonna? Is she just gonna be like, you know, a wild? Cat? I like that they were yelling about her trap door again. Yep. Yeah, I know. It's like, <laughs> you know, if you ever watched animation when you were younger, and if you looked, you could always see, like, what was going to move because the lines yeah, were a little bit yeah. different. <laughs> That's this trap door. Like, mm, what's going to happen <laughs> with the trap door? That's the wall that's going to come down. Yeah. It's a very convenient way for Althea to get into Brashen's cabin. <laughs> oh, boy. Welcome to Bangtown. Oh, I'm just down in the hold, uh, checking on, ma- making sure the cargo's secure. Wink, wink. How's the rudder doing? Can I also point out an, an Amber thing that uh, Paragon says he sometimes can't sense her? Mm-hmm. Mm, that was, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. I actually thought it was interesting how quickly he started getting, like, um, sort of psychological connections to Brashen and Althea once he was in the water again. And, like, you know, he could really, like, because he said it was almost like having um, one of his family. So I thought oh, that was almost in- like his wizard woods getting all, like, wet and soft. Oh my god! Ew. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> yes, um, like but in I, the mouth of a serpent. Yeah, but, but, please stop. But I, I, I was no just, more. <laughs> I was thinking, like, is is that a case where, like, at some point, all the Bangtown families are like related? So he actually does have an ancestor somewhere up the family tree in one or the other of them, or is there like some psychological propensity in growing up around the rain wilds? whether you realize it or not that you can like bond with and communicate, you know, with a live ship. Hmm. I'm inclined to think, and I've been thinking this for a little bit, but that you don't have to be like a family member to, I mean, these ships were fucking stolen from them. And I know that people have to die on them and the lineage and all that, but like, 
to actually quicken them. But I just, that doesn't add up to me. I feel like if you have a bond, you have a bond. Yeah. Also very possible um, because there's plenty of evidence that like families that are chosen rather than born are actually stronger bonds. Yeah, I think that it's um, like it takes so many lives to create the ship and then with those lives you have sort of a forced bond with someone from the family but as the magic has shown previously like anybody with a propensity for it or you know a strong you can create bonds with people for other reasons you are then joined with them i mean it doesn't necessarily require blood mhm I mean, I think there's a question of how much Vivacia would freak out if Winchar left now and it was just Kennet, who she obviously has a connection with. Right. But mm-hmm. it's not that connection. But she still has a connection. Like, she can still sense what he's feeling. Like, maybe not exactly, like, word for word, but she knows if he, for example, in the last episode, you know, she's like, I can tell that you, what whatever you're doing, you think is good. I just don't mm-hmm. know what it is you're going to do. <laughs> Yeah, right, which, which which makes it an interesting question. Like, could Wintro actually, like, leave Vivacia at this point and, like, she would be okay because she's bonded with Kenneth? Right. Which is sort yeah. of the more, like, better comparison to what's going on with Paragon. Yeah, I think, I think that he, she obviously has a, a stronger connection with Wintro, but I think the question is, is the bond with Kenneth strong enough that she doesn't need Wintro? Kenneth would be thrilled. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't have to enact his creepy, creepy plan. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, but so we, we don't know is, you know, are all of the people currently on Paragon providing him with that stability, with that, like, psychic, like, mm-hmm. net... Uh, that he needs um, or is it like one of them is it you know one of them related to a Ludluck or is it just something that they think they need like a I don't know I'm gonna assume so because it would be like just stupid stupid storytelling if they just went out and immediately sunk and all died (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> next chapter uh, <laughs> alright uh, every episode right. prompts this be my crew character introductions and exits well hello and goodbye Ringsgold slash Draquius oh Draquius yeah he's still around He's he lives inside them now <laughs> that's not that's coming yeah, I agree. That's silver not strands of memory I'm putting this in my um, will. This is how I want to go. <laughs> Hugged to death and then eaten. <laughs> oh, God. Um, all right. X marks the spot. Where the heck are we uh, in relation to Fitz? Well, we are still in Bingtown. Bingtown. And, uh, and on some live ship trade routes, I guess. <laughs> What a tangle. What are the stupids doing? What are they doing, really? They're eating. They're, <laughs> Snack they're time. Eating. They're remembering. Yeah, 
They're eating live chips now, which is totally fine. They need that snack. They were worried about what they were going to eat. Now they're not. Um, well, we does have... it actually fill them up like, you know, parasites and fish do? Or is it just like fulfilling them emotionally? I imagine it's fulfilling them in the same way that like Fitz giving energy to Verity filled him up. They're Kingsmen. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like like memories <laughs> is probably the same as like some skill energy boost. I mean, again, this goes back to what are we talking about? Are we talking about the you know, the wit? Are we talking about the skill? I remind you that the stone dragons were activated with both wit and skill. the wit, the skill and blood. Blood. Mm. I know. Why are you trying to give spoilers, Rachel? I'm not. I'm just... Don't ask leading questions. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't. I just want to remind you that all of these things are connected. <laughs> Those lives are just about to get loud now. the blood plus whoever died on the us. ship. They got lots of blood. They do have lots of blood. Uh, and then my final question on that is, who is she who remembers? Has she forgotten? Does she exist? So, is it necessarily Vivesha, or could, like, maybe there's multiple? I think it could be any of them. I don't think it's one in particular, unless there's, like, a mother. It sounds like their smell is not particularly discerning. Yeah. And that leads us to our next question. The ship's talk. What did we learn about live ships? Well, I just (laughs) put the spice is the worm, and the worm is the spice. What didn't we learn about live ships? (laughs) the their same question i guess we can combine out. those now they're thrown on the stone they're the yeah they're soulless husks of dragons and imposed Service. memory and personality murdered souls that's so sad their dragon memory perspective considers them slaves it's I very mean, like matrix isn't it could you program a dragon this way like if you fill a live ship up with like all of like the tech like i don't know the characteristics that you like and then you feed it to a serpent and that serpent absorbs those memories (laughs) could you could you then like control them like that Hmm. is this technology Um, like you're making a dragon that's like what you want it to be yeah like could i control it that way could I it's loyal to the parasites? How are you influence? <laughs> well, I mean, they just ate this. They just ate this live ship that was like fighting them off and like happy to be a live ship until it remembered that it wasn't a live ship. Right. But they ate it anyway. Okay, they were like, just eating them. The, like if yeah. you filled, now, like if you filled up a live ship full of Kenneth's best friends, and then Kenneth <laughs> whispered into the live ship's ear for twenty years until it just was. Filled with love for Kenneth, and then you fed it to the serpents, and then the serpents became dragons. Would they be like, "We love Kenneth. We're going to follow Kenneth and destroy Kenneth's enemies"? No, <laughs> right? No. Or would they be like, "We love Kenneth so much, we're going to eat him"? No, <laughs> finish the job. We must become one with Kenneth. <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> um. Now, question. So, they ate the memories of the ship. 
But did they also eat the memories of the parasites that were putting mm. memories into I the mean, ship? I, or is they it just ate the dragon the, memories? They ate the wizard wood, and that's the part that absorbs all the blood. No, they did, did they eat the wood, or did they just eat the silver bits? The, wood. the silver bits the are the wood. Oh, I thought yeah, they. The I envisioned them as like separating in the water. Like, oh, there's some wood splinters here, then there's some silvery bits here. Well, well, no, there, not really there were wood. the dead plant strips, but there was also the wood. Yeah, bed. so the I thought the, the wood was that was like dead plant because it is wood is dead plant, and then the silvery bits were separate. <laughs> Well, the silvery bits are like the wizard wood, and then the dead plant bits are yeah. the regular wood that we're right. composing. Ships like, are made of both, but they were right. eating the wizard wood. Yeah, they left the wizard the wood part, was like wizard melting wood. in their mouths into like you know pure silver memory. It's a good milk chocolate built. <laughs> pure silver memory. Mm. <laughs> Tasty. I'll have some. <sighs> okay. <laughs> when it's chocolate, I mean. Oh, we can't talk about chocolate. I just ate my last piece like three hours ago. There's no chocolate in this house. Uh! <laughs> if you order some now, you'll get it in three months. No, I All just right. need to go to the <laughs> Grow your own. All right, reminder for next reading section. We're doing chapters 26 through 30. And unfortunately, I do have a content warning on chapter 29 for rape trauma. Uh, so we'll do the same thing that we did in this episode for that. Uh, so you can email us at buckkeepradio at gmail.com. I'm Rachel, and you can follow me at Darth Rachel on Twitter and Darth underscore Rachel on Instagram. I'm Alyssa, and you can find me at AlyssaMaynard.com. I'm Jenny, and you can find me at FacelessFray on Instagram. I'm Eli, and you can find me at Cosplay on Instagram. I'm Elena, you can find me at MoffElena. I'm Ashley. You can find me on the things at Ladybird Parker. Okay, next up the spoiler section. Right. Bye, Bye. I tried to ask a leading question, I know. and I failed. <laughs> Immediately just swiped aside, like, that is not an important detail. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, we could talk about Amber, but we could also talk about Brash and Althea and live ships. I mean, I think now is a good time for us to kind of wax poetic about uh, the stone dragons. And just, I mean, it's essentially the same exact technology. It's, it works it's, it's the same rock. way. Yeah. It works the same. It's just rocks. It's rocks with the silver memory in it instead of the cocoons, right? It's a different material. So they're not like killing a dragon for it, but they can still imbue it with memory and create like a golem of. But where does the stone come from? Do we find that out? So I don't know. I don't I, know either. I think it's just like stone from around where the dragon... I mean, like, what? So the dragons had, like, the two main cities that they hung out in, right? With their wells of silver. Rachel, yeah, with I... silver wells. Kelsinger. Rachel, I Kelsinger, think yeah. that you told me many years ago that you thought that they were dragon fossils. 
I, I said that like four episodes ago. <laughs> it's a rock. A rock. A rock. It's a rock. Well, I'm not in I, every single spoiler episode, so I can't talk to all your spoiler episodes. But many no, I, years I, ago, you told me you thought they were fossils, so I brought it up. Oh my god. <laughs> Next shirt. Are they fossils? Are they fossils? I don't think they are. I think that was me trying to figure. Sorry, me trying to figure shit out. Um, I think it's just like stone near where the silver wells were. I don't. I don't really. I'm not clear on where the <laughs> silver comes from. <laughs> Maybe that will be something that will be answered in like the Rainwilds books. But as <clears> I, <throat> I recall, I know, I mean, I know how the stone dragons were made, but I don't know where the stone comes, like why the stone is the stone and where, how, where the silver memory comes from. Why the stone has veins of silver. Yeah. You're on the right track. I, yeah, I'm on the, I'm good. Are they fossils? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> is Robin Hobb making more books? I mean, she's writing. I obsessively check her Twitter to see if she's complaining about having to write or, (laughs) you know, so far, no, nothing. But she might be smart and say nothing, right? Like, why would she be, why would she be George Martin? (laughs) She's like, I'm writing all the time during this quarantine. Yeah, where's my book? Yeah, where is it? (laughs) Remember like Um, four years ago when he like teased chapters from the new book? Yeah, that doesn't happen anymore. Sorry, yeah, we could change back to back to Robin Hobb <laughs> immediately. I'm sorry. <laughs> so silver magic. I just I just think yes. that it's interesting. Like like you could like you can make you can essentially take a coterie or you know a bunch of these people who volunteer to make a dragon for whatever reason because it wasn't always. Right, it wasn't always just like the current system of the coteries doing it, but that they they make it and then they have like this cohesive personality. I mean, I would like to hope that there's a cohesive personality considering the ending of the series and mm-hmm. that they're not just like they didn't just like make nothing. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's different because it, they're not taking the life of a dragon to do it. They're just using the skill stone and sacrificing their own lives yeah i guess that's better well it (laughs) seems like this uh species they have a profound ability to absorb memories but their ability to keep a hold of those memories or maintain them is not so great yeah, like, I don't get it. Like, they don't make their... Do they have brains? Like, it's, why? It's like they've got to keep absorbing memories to have memories. Like, they don't... I feel like I do the same I thing. I mean, yeah, to be fair, I mean, like, maybe in the last... Like, is that why they're always just guzzling the silver from the wells? Because they're like, I have to replenish the, like, memory bank? Well, well, I think, like, the silver... <laughs> I think that the reason that there's silver in the cocoons is because it's in the water and the mud and stuff there. I don't yeah. think right. it's coming from the... Like, I mean, dragons have it in them, obviously. But I think when they, like, lay an egg or whatever they fucking come out of, and then they're serpents, <laughs> and then they s- swim up the river and make their cocoons, like... It said the dragons, necessarily... the dragons made the cocoons out of silver silt or whatever. So they do it? Yeah. Yeah, they're like the dragons like wrap them in the... memory oh. silt. 
So they must help. Maybe that's what they go to the wells for. I don't know. It's so stupid. Mm. I don't like it. <laughs> it is. It's just like, why would you? Why would your species just continually forget everything and have to struggle this hard to like get back to? I mean, to be you know, fair, they are like well, there who knows how many how many hundreds of years old are these serpents? Oh, I think they're like three thousand years old. Yeah, they've got to be <laughs> ancient as fuck. Yeah. yeah, the cycle's been broken somehow. And they're just really lucky that there's nothing bigger than them in the ocean that would eat them <laughs> and like slowly pick them off. I mean, like how many freaking serpents used to be in the ocean? Was it just like writhing masses of worms, and then like the boats would just kind of like <laughs> skate along on their back? I mean, it's I like us if we were a hundred years statues. old and we kept growing forever and ever. So we're like ten feet tall, but have dementia, and <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty good. <laughs> I know why. I know why Fitz went back. He, like, arrived. He was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> left. I'm going to go to Forge. It was better there. Same. <laughs> yeah, you know why? Because people were forged. Like, <laughs> you don't like a memory? You put it in a stone dragon. Pick a dragon. Stick it in there. Done. You're better. Don't have memories you don't need. Don't have trauma you don't need. Still think about Molly all the time. The poor boats and, and stuff, they probably have trauma because that's where you stick it. But <laughs> <laughs> Could you do the same thing to a live ship? Could you, like, partially forge yourself on a live ship? Could you forge anyone on a live ship or do you need the stone? That's a good question. Is it just the blood? Like, they only get it through blood. It has to be absorbed. So the the stone is like a purer form. It's like magnetized. Maybe. I don't know. So I am wondering where these books are going. And maybe this is a discussion <laughs> for me not being here and Jenny not being here. But like, yeah. I feel like, okay, so the Bingtown thing has got to be somewhat resolved or going in a direction. The... Rescue mission has to come to something, right? They've got to go out there and they've got to go after Vivacia and something happens. Uh, Malta rain, something, something there. They got to go off and get married and have a kid that gets like taken over <laughs> by dragons. Yeah, maybe <laughs> a dragon dies. gets released. <laughs> uh,. Yeah, I yeah. What's well, going to happen? Like, we we There's know a, a bunch of, of things that on. happen later, and so it's trying to fill in the blanks for us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. And you guys know, and you'll laugh at us. You know, I'm just gonna. I I, I just miss Night Eyes. <laughs> Cube. Cube. <laughs> I'm just going to get really depressed when we get to the next trilogy and he doesn't make it past the first book. What? No, I thought we still had a couple more books of him. Oh, no. No, you only get no, like it's three the books. First book. I get half a book. Okay, well, I will. Oh, and so much crying. I will really drink it then, in. I'll drink it in as much as I can. Don't like worry, silver. he'll come back as Wolf Father. All right. Is that trilogy. the same? 
It's not, but it it's it is when we get to when he goes back with Fitz and he's like, "Dang, is boring," and I cheered. <laughs> <sighs> I cheered so much. Speaking so of parasites, let's. I have nothing else to say because I don't know, and Alyssa won't tell me. Nope. <laughs> Do tell. It's fine. I'll find out in. 12 books. 12 books. I'll know. What do you think that we don't know? Because we don't know what you're talking about. I don't know where the silver comes from. Where does the skill oh. river come from? I assumed it was where skill, it? right? It's skill. It's skill. It's magic. It's pure magic. Yeah, but why do dragons own it? Because dragons are better than people. They're not. I agree, <laughs> but they think that they are. They're 100% like just so much worse than people. <laughs> they think they're better than people. Yeah, for sure. I mean, dragons get more magic they than really people, and people, than people get more magic than them. like ghosts. There's not one dragon that's even better why than Why does nosy, it matter? Okay? Why does it matter who gets more magic? It's just how it is. Kill them. Just kill them. Kill them and eat them. <laughs> so, okay. Back to your whole I don't know how the like boats become dragons. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is it's <laughs> fucked. What the hell? They're just a bunch of doesn't make any sense. Just a bunch of memories, and they're like somehow we have enough memory to become a dragon. So just like any well of silver, can that become a dragon? I guess so. Can all no. there's got to be the, some like, difference know, between of a silver rock? Be like, I want to be a dragon. There's got to be some difference between the life ship dragons and the real dragons. They can't be real dragons. They've got to be. They've got to be more like the stone dragons. I can't. They're like alive. They're made of wood. Yeah. They think that they're real dragons. They're flying around like real dragons at the end, and everyone's like, "Oh, look, dragons!" Yeah. So are the stone dragons. <laughs> they said the same thing about the stone dragons. Yeah, they're just wood dragons. Mm. They're still dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> they're not real things. I mean, they're. All right. Whatever. Well, we've angered the listeners enough. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to say goodbye then. And uh, happy reading. Bye. Bye. Bye.